G'day community and welcome to another episode of the Jock Mailbag Podcast. My name is Damo. As usual, there is Clarky here as well. And we've also got a special guest, which we'll introduce in just a second. But first, Clarky, how has your week been? Hey, Damo. Next question. Tell me. I don't want to talk about this week. It's It's been a rough week, but let's get to our exciting guest because that's more more better than me complaining. Alrighty. So joining us is Big J from the Center Bounce YouTube channel. Go and check it out. Me and Clarky are in a video there where we talked about things that are probably irrelevant now because it was before round three, but <laughs> it's still, but he's still got awesome content going up pretty much every week. And uh, Big J, how are you, mate? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem at all. So Big J, we, we have a tradition on the Mailbag podcast where Patch, who is a very, very loud member <laughs> of the again. Jock Reynolds, uh, Jock Reynolds uh, here at Jock Reynolds, um, he always asks a question and we always kick kick off the questions with his question. And sometimes his questions can be funny and sometimes they can be actual like proper things to discuss. And his question this time is, is going for a point of difference like Dylan Moore or Jack Sinclair this early a bad idea or is it the time to be pulling crazy moves? Point of difference players this at kind of this time, I think are okay. Starting them, I think, can be a really big burn, and we've seen that a little bit with like early starts of guys like Parrish and a couple others. But um, when you actually start upgrading your team, having someone who's different can be a good thing. It probably just means that other people haven't jumped on them yet. So I wouldn't touch Dylan Moore with the ten foot pole. But Jack Sinclair is definitely someone who, if I had an upgrade, you know, upgrade a Bowie or someone, um, I would definitely bring in. I mean, he's got, what, four scores of over 100. He's a sure pick, at least it looks like at the moment. And Clarkie, with Jack Sinclair, are we worried about his scoring potentially getting a bit of a dip once uh, the likes of Zach Jones or Hunter Clark return to that St. Kilda side? I think it's probably my biggest concern about Jackson Clare, but you know, um, my brain is still emotionally hurt from Big J mentioning uh, Darcy Parish burning pod owners because I own Darcy Parish and it's not good. Um, but yeah, I look, it's it's probably the biggest concern is that whether Jackson Clare keeps that role going long term is oh. the biggest question. Like I, and I, I like to feel that we hear on the mailbag. Uh, we're very firm believers in, you know what, sometimes making a crazy move, if you're comfortable with it and you've done your research and you know what you're backing in, like you know what you're going to expect, then by all means, leap of faith. I think Dog said it on the main podcast, uh, if you haven't listened to that that episode, but you know, you quite often see that a lot of people who sort of end up with top teams, they do take some calculated risks early. Because you're getting these people while they're on the up rather than waiting till they're at their peak and then going, all right, well, now it's time to upgrade and now it's time to bring in, you know, Jack Sinclair at, you know, 600,000 instead of, you know, low fives to mid fives kind of thing. So, you know, Patch, you love a crazy move. So I encourage you to make a crazy move because you love it and I know that you love it and I love you. But for all other people, Jack Sinclair is definitely someone to watch. If you're going to back it in, just be aware 
of that being a potential to affect his long-term scoring. So if you're not comfortable with that, then you know it's not the right move. And uh, Jimmy Webster is going to miss this weekend's game in health and safety protocols. So Jack Sinclair may have an expanded role against, uh, I forget who St. Kilda are playing, but we will find that Gold out. Coast. Against the Gold Coast. Yeah, he'll probably score amazingly anyway. <laughs> yeah, but he'll... Okay, it doesn't matter. Scratch that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he'll probably have an expanded role this weekend with Jimmy Webster out as well. Uh, Big J, you mentioned Jake Bowie. Um, Gavin Ward has asked uh he he's traded in jake bowie after round two uh but now he wants to know if he should trade him out or was it just a bad week um jake bowie is definitely a bit of a polarizing player at the moment um those who have him are trying to work out what to do and those that don't have him are happy they've got heath chapman um or (laughs) you know or, or, or no rookie um so his 151 is out of his cycle this week. Unfortunately, he did score a 47, um, which will be in his scoring for the next three weeks. So he, looking at the Bryce Mitchell um, projections for him, I think he is going to drop in price um, maybe to about 330. So if you had someone that you were really happy with upgrading to, like we just spoke about Jack Sinclair or someone else who you really like that is still cheap, I know some people are going after uh, uh, Sicily and a couple of other guys who are, you know, just sub 100K. Maybe you've got some spare cash. He's a perfect upgrade. Um, but, yeah, if, if you just had him, I think I'm, I've got him at the moment and he's not my biggest problem on field. So outside of spending a trade boost, I won't be touching him this week. Yeah, that's fair. I, I think I think Jake Bowie just had a bad week, to be completely honest. Um hmm. That game against Port Adelaide was awful to watch because of how low scoring oh, it was. Yeah, and it feels like only really Max Gorn had a good game out of everyone that was on that field. So hopefully there's a bit of a there's a bit of an increase from Jake Bowie this week. I'm not I don't know if he'll hit his break even, but um, um, but there's every chance that this week will be a lot better than that than last week. Um, I know some people have mentioned the fact that Levers come back into the side. And maybe that's affected Bowie's scoring a little bit, but we'll just have to wait and see with that. Give it a week or two. Um, keeping a rookie like him who can pump out 80s and 90s for a week or two, potentially losing 10 or 20K isn't such a bad trade-off. Clarky, as a Melbourne fan, when Melbourne yeah, are at... I have opinions. <laughs> when, when Melbourne are at full strength... What role does Bowie play? Because it feels like once they get Lever, once they get Hibbard back, once they eventually get Salem back, what role is Jake Bowie going to be playing? And is it a Supercoach relevant role? I I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be playing a similar role. Um, even then, I think from a Supercoach perspective, I wasn't really kind of expecting to hold him longer than the duration of Salem being out. I think, and and you mentioned it, the Port game, absolutely terrible to to watch. Like, football skill-wise, Max Gorn was playing out of his beard, and that was about it. Um, and there were multiple opportunities that I saw where Bowie just was there and just didn't get the ball. Like, no one, no one passed it to him, or he had a quick handball off, and then it was off to the races to kick it to a Port player, and then the Port player would kick it back to... 
Jake Lever, who then it's it's all these little possessions that just aren't racking up points. I think more likely to what we'll see going on is that in this duration where he's kind of playing that role off halfback, they want the ball in his hands because he is very clean with how he uses it. His efficiency with the ball isn't the problem. But him and Angus Brayshaw seem to kind of be doing the same thing where they're kind of trying to be there as a rebounding kind of defender to get the ball out quickly and efficiently to like an Ed Langdon or a Jake, God forbid, Jaden Hunt um, type player to move it forward. So I think Lever coming back in isn't so much an issue because Lever is still there to play tall intercept. And that's pretty much what he's going to do. He's not worried about this, the small stuff that Bowie and Brayshaw are kind of at the ground level to do. So yeah, my, my takeaway would be, I think it was just a bad week, but that being said, the good week is only, you know, 70 to 80, which is serviceable, but you got to remember that people who are bringing him in, you, you brought him in as he was always a stepping. So we all knew oh. that one, that 150 was an anomaly and he is a very talented young footballer, like so many players are, but he's not going to remain super coach relevant. I think for the whole year. That makes sense. Good Mitch Santon has asked a question on Instagram. So we hey. got a question on a platform that wasn't Twitter this week. Um, what, to do with Zach Butters. You hold Zach Butters. He was playing the Robbie Gray role. Robbie Gray should be back this week. The only reason he didn't play against Melbourne was because he got out of health and safety protocols that morning. Once once Robbie Gray's back, Zach Butters is probably going to play an Ollie Wines role and attend pretty almost all the center bounces and he could score again. He could score like he did in round 2 having having a role like that. Yeah, I think we all know that Zach Butters has that role at Port and he brings an X factor that Port sorely need. So playing him out of position at this stage, especially like, you know, his second half was all right. His first half, not so much, but his second half was decent scoring wise. So if we can get a full game of production in that, then, you know, that's... You know, you're back to happy, but I think you got to hold him for at least one more week. It's not danger stations yet. Yeah, and Big J, uh, the last two weeks, Zach Butters has pretty much scored his entire score in the second half two weeks in a row. And it's almost like at halftime he's been reset or been given permission to sort of just do what he wants to or do what he needs to. And that's when we've seen the scoring production that we saw in the first two weeks. And do you think now that Robbie Gray is back and now that Wines is out and now that they've got potentially other players missing through other health and safety protocols that he could um, return to his round one and two scoring? Um, I think he could definitely return to that. I think with, with trading Zach Butters, I've got two things. So it's round five this week. You shouldn't be looking at trading or sideways trading the guys that you consider to be keepers. I don't think that's kind of the position that you should be looking at in your side, especially for someone who's Zach Butters, who, you know, popped out a 140, I think, in round two, so a couple of weeks ago. Um, The second bit I have with Zach Butters is basically, if you look at why he scored the poor scoring, he basically got smashed by Powell Pepper, hence he's, what, 40-odd, and then this week Port got absolutely destroyed. So you've got two instances that probably won't happen again, 
that he's actually scored poorly in. Sure, he's going to lose some money, but as you're saying, I think he can really bounce back. So he, he, he's monitor, but you know I wouldn't be sidewaysing primos out right now. Um, I'm more concerned about generating cash and, and doing upgrades versus sideways trades. Good point. Should we move on to your question there, Big J? Because you asked me a question last week when I as I invited you onto the pod, and I said we could answer it here today. You asked if we were worried about the cash generation, mm. um, and I've added a bit, and I've added a, a bit onto the end of this that says, "So, what tactics could potentially be used to ensure we have a steady cash flow?" What were you sort of thinking in that sort of in the, in that sort of sense? I'm I'm looking at my team at the moment, and you know my forward rookies are doing okay. They're making money. I think a lot of people's are. Um, but my midfield rookies, you know, they've basically, yeah, they're basically just gone home. Um, I've at the moment I've got Ward and McDonald and then a loophole player in Owens. So hopefully Owens comes back at some point. Sinclair have had a lot of Sunday games or Saturday light, night Sunday games, so he's been okay for a loophole. But the other two, in a couple of weeks, I actually want to start upgrading players and upgrading rookies, and I just don't see at the moment where that cash is going to come from. So the last couple of weeks, with them scoring so poorly, getting a couple of 20s and 30s, they've basically tanked their cash gen now, and they're not going to make us the money that we kind of were hoping they would make especially a ward who, you know, we paid 180k for him versus someone like a Naish, for example, who's now going to be 300k probably next week. Um, similar to a Thomas Thomas Dow that people, Thompson Dow from, from Richmond, who you could have picked up last week at 198k and has already made 50 or 60. So my midfield rookies and, and cash generation, I think it's a huge issue this year. Um, yeah. I think a lot of the upgrades are going to stem from the rookies in the forward line and the defense mm. once we get them. But the other thing is we need to probably jump on is probably jump on the players as best we can as they're going to make the cash. So in a couple of weeks, we'll be able to jump on Braden Proust, who's going to go through the roof. And that could be another situation like Riley O'Brien was and Mark Pitney was a few years ago. And then you've got the likes of, uh, and, and then you got the likes of Hugh Dixon, who will probably get an expanded role with Nick Nat Nui out. And then you've got Jack Hayes possibly coming in at, uh, with Ryder out for two weeks. So I think, I think the cash generation for upgrading your midfield is going to come from the other positions around the ground. As for Josh Ward and Connor McDonald, I still think that they can both, out of nowhere, pump out a seventy or an eighty and restart their cash generation. But like you said, I don't think they get to 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 300 350k as quick as we would like and having slow burns in your midfield is not an ideal scenario no especially when you know as we might get this week with Cripps being out you don't want to have Cripps being covered by Josh Ward who last week scored a 35 you, you know you would want someone who potentially can at least score a 60 plus to make it not hurt that much yeah Clarky, where do you sit on all of this so I think the the secret is a healthy dose of constant anxiety. Um, as someone who, you know, I, I think currently my rookie situation is, um, uh, as the kids on the TikTok say, sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. But 
um, you know, I think keeping track of and seeing where we get the debutantes as they come as well is going to be really important because that's the biggest thing is that I think of, I don't think I've missed any rookies that are severely affecting my season. I've got Nick Martin, I've got Hugh Dixon, I've got Jack Hayes, I've got Rochelle, um, I've got O'Driscoll now, I've started Brody who is now looking like a keeper in the forward line of, you know, and you know, between Horn Francis and Dacos, you know, those guys look like they might not even have to be upgraded until the very end. So um, I'm keeping an eye out for, you know, Brisbane have been really good about it with um, they've announced today that Kai Lohman is debuting this week and not as the medical sub. So, you know, looking at, you know, looking at someone like that and monitoring him over the next few weeks. So my main concern as far as rookie cash in goes is where are the replacements coming from? Like Kai Lohman, 121K forward rookie. So, does he get more than three games even? Like, does he even make it to cash gen levels? So that's, that's I think, the biggest concern. So my tactic is kind of just making sure that I make the money where I can and making sure that I'm keeping track of the performances of the debutants as we get them because they seem to be a bit few and far between at the moment. Um, I know, for example, at the moment, I'm seriously considering getting rid of McDonald and Ward and bringing in like an Erasmus or an O'Driscoll just kind of depending on how the structure of the team looks to kind of restart that cash gen with um, round six to 10 basically being when you start upgrading your primos or upgrading two premiums when they've had a bit of a price drop. Having that extra cash gen going is really important, especially because if you say, I'm going to downgrade a rookie like a Rochelle in round nine, you want to have someone who's already made cash for the buy rounds to actually finish off your team. So even... I'd be looking at the moment to um, actually drop anyone who you're not really happy with in that rookie position, who's kind of tanked their their weeks for the next three weeks, tanked their cash gen, to actually look to upgrade to someone who's on the bubble. Heck, I almost thought about bringing in Thompson Dow this week. He's already gained 50K, but if he makes me another 150 or even 100K, it's a lot easier for me to spend a trade to downgrade him at 350 instead of holding Ward, who potentially only make 70k on because i downgrade to a 123 guy i think the important thing that you mentioned there is structure um Mm. structure is probably the biggest thing that you need within your team like don't sacrifice the stability of your team as a whole as well just chasing cash generation but also realize that if your team already is unstable then the like the economic flow going forward is what's going to stabilize you and keep you in it you know even if you feel like you're really far behind overall if you're going for overall or if you feel like you're a little bit behind in your leagues you can still give like there's still so much in the season like super coach memory feels like it's only a week long but realistically we're you know five round like this is round five in a really long season. So we've still got heaps of time to still correct those little mistakes and still make sure we're stabilizing going over to the next few weeks. And we've had these worries in the past about cash generation and everything has eventually worked out in the enders. And Lekdog even says, don't trade unless there's an obvious option. And I guess with the potential lack of cash generation, I guess we sort of have to adopt that more and more this year because unless there is an obvious option, then you probably don't need to trade. And 
Leck is also a massive advocate of trading late as well. So waiting for teams, seeing who is and isn't named, and then making your decision then and there, instead of doing it as soon as lockout ends after the round and then being devastated by someone who you've traded in not actually being in the team once once they're locked into your side. Um, I think also I've been hurt a lot in previous years with having dead rookies. So looking to not have that as much as I can. Look, kind of a review of my side last year identified that as being a really big problem coming into the later rounds when people get, you know, people get rested or even during the buy rounds, that kind of thing. Um, you want to have 18 playing if, if you can. So if I think Ward or McDonald um, aren't going to play for a while, I'd rather have someone who will be, who can kind of cement themselves into their side. And then I've got them for the whole year or at least until the buy rounds. So, Damo, this is my favourite part about having great guests on is that we learn things like I appreciate the approach of actually reviewing your team from last year and not making the same mistakes year in, year out, unlike some Clarky teams that are out there where I am banging my head against the wall repeatedly. I I look at my team at the end of the year and wonder where and wonder how I can improve for the following season. And And one of the things that I took away from last season was I needed to focus on getting my rookies off my field before I did any sideways or any upgrading movements for because I had no trades for the last four rounds or something of last season due to injuries. <laughs> yeah, you did. But making no moves, I went up the ranks a lot faster than I did actually making moves. So holding your team is actually sometimes better than making move any moves at all. I remember that um, that end of last year, Damo, because you and I, we spend a lot of time together, as you can tell from our, our great podcast, but holy man, like we, I think you and I just, like we were riding the roller coaster for the last couple rounds of the season, which was awesome, just to sit back and go, well, there's nothing we can do about it now. If the car, if the car blows up, the car blows up, whatever. Yeah. And that, I think it's, yeah, it's definitely something to remember. It's like, hey, you know, um, it's okay to just be still you know for a moment like it's okay to not have to do anything because sometimes other people will fall over ahead of you and other times it'll all just work out so you know back yourselves in we've we all spend a lot of time and love put a little love into our own teams so make sure that you know you're, you're just happy with it be happy with it mm. we've got I one know. more question we'll move on from that i, bet we I think do. i think i think we've i think we've talked about that as much as we need to. The last yeah. question is from Magic Gnome, and he wants to know if he should trade Patrick Cripps to Sam Doherty. We'll move on to the most traded out list, and we'll probably discuss uh, any Cripps moves in that. So, Magic Gnome, if you're listening, you'll get your answer in this next segment. Um, number one traded out is Patrick Cripps. He's been traded out by Boo. almost 21,000 teams. Boo, trading Patrick Cripps. Boo. At... In the at the injury report, in the injury report from Carlton, he's only listed as one week. So I would take Carlton at their word there and hold him for that one week. It's if it turns into anything longer than that that you probably need to look at your options. I think Patrick Cripps of old would have played this week, and that was part of the problem: is that he never took time to recover. Um, from his sort of, you know, the injuries, they build up and he's like, 
a really strong bodied midfielder. Like he's in there and we love Patrick Cripps. Like he plays hard and he plays good. I, I think it's kind of a little bit like taking an escape plan, like just throwing the smoke bomb down and then running because it's one week missing him for one week. Isn't going to be the end of it when, cause then you have to bring him back. Like, how are you going to get him back? That's the biggest problem is that, yeah, that's, it's, it's great. You bring in Sam Doherty. I love Sam Doherty. I, I, I do. I think he's going to be a really good option later this season when I'm going to upgrade. I'm, he's one of the first people I'm looking at, but okay, that's fine. You've gone Crips to Doherty. Do you go back? Like, you know, I mean, you feel free to jump in guys, but like, you know, you've gotten rid of Crips and then Crips comes back next week and then you've got Sam Doherty and that's great, but then you don't have Patrick Crips anymore and he comes and scores, you know, 150 like he's been doing all season. After this week, they do fly to WA to play the Dockers. Um, So there is a chance that he misses a second week, but even if he misses a second week, I'd still be inclined to hold him. It's whether he misses that third week that you, uh, that, that you sh- that maybe you look you look to trade him, but then even but th- but how many times can you go? Oh, it's one more week. It's one more week. It's one more week bef- before you've had enough, and then you trade him. So I think if he misses any more than one week, that's when you trade him, regardless of when they say he's going to return. Because if they're going to keep saying it's one week, one week, one week, how long do you give Carlton to give a proper time frame? Um. I think a lot of people, I'm not surprised with that, what, 20,000 people number. That's um, a lot as well. That's yeah. so many. When you look at how many people traded him in, in round two, I think it was basically that number as well. So it was, he went somewhere down from something like 20% to, I think at one point, maybe he was like 70% owned. Like it was huge, huge numbers. Um, and he, he's always had an injury cloud over him because he missed, you know, maybe he didn't actually miss it, but it felt like he missed a lot of games in his career and people got burnt by bringing him in or having him. Um, So him being out this week, like they've said, hey, it might only be a week, but I think that scared a lot of people off and they'd rather just not have the headache there. Yeah, Um, don't don't get me wrong. Like, you know, as I've always said, I you know, I encourage everyone like make make your decisions based on what you think is best for your team because you know you take the time to listen to people like us to give advice. But at the end of the day, it is just that. But I will say at the same time that it does feel a little bit like confirmation bias, hmm. where you're sort of going, "Oh, well, Cripps always gets injured, and then he misses one week because of a minor, like it, what seemed like a minor hamstring. You know, it wasn't, you know." didn't seem like it was like a massive injury. Yes, he needs the time to rest and things like that. But, you know, if they say one week, I wouldn't be surprised if he flies out to WA. Something I've said in the past, especially with this year being a COVID-affected year, is that players are generally out with COVID for a week. And you wouldn't go and trade Gorn, especially now with all these forward rookies who are doing really well as R3s, but you wouldn't trade him out just because he's missing a week due to COVID. So if Cripps is confirmed that he should be back next week, you won't trade him out because similarly, he's only missing a week, right? Yeah. And, and the problem I have isn't with the trade, like just, you know, sorry to rehash that, but just, I don't have a problem with the trade. I think the the problem I have is that you're going to want him back. You know, you brought him in because you back him in. So you're going to want him back. 
So is the trade necessary in the first place for the sake of one week? But then, you know, Dame and I have covered this before. Some people play it differently for, you know, league wins. Some people play it differently for overall. And that's totally fine. Uh, next on the most traded out is Mitch Hinge. That one I understand a little Injury. bit. He, yeah. he still has money to make as long as he lines up this week. If he doesn't line up this week, I understand the trade. You're not in danger of Mitch Hinge scoring 160 points. Uh, next is Zach Butters. We've covered Zach Butters. We're, fourth is Jake Bowie. We've covered him. Fifth is Josh Ward. I still think that Josh Ward is a, is a hold. I think is more of a hold than Connor McDonald. I went early on trading out Josh Ward to be completely transparent. Um, pretty much for the reasons that you mentioned, um, Jay. Just it's it was too much of a liability, and I could, I had the opportunity to get a better rookie. I think I traded Josh Ward to Nick Martin. And that's kind of worked out for me. So I definitely understand why people won't want to back him in. And if you're making that trade to somebody who's generally like a rookie, who's generally scoring better, you didn't have Martin, you didn't have O'Driscoll, you didn't have um, even Erasmus. I know Dame, I don't know if you can give any insight onto Erasmus's job security, but it seems like he, he will be there as much as he can. Um, I have more faith in O'Driscoll's job security than Erasmus. I think Erasmus probably makes way for Sarong or Tucker this week. Yeah, there you go. So way for teams, but either one of those two, I think is probably a good mix. Um, I think also in your case, downgrading Ward was a downgrade and you made some money versus I think a lot of people now have already got Nick Martin, those types. So him sideways to O'Driscoll's only going to gain you like 13K. And there's a big difference between that and you know, 80 or so from bringing Nick Martin in this week. Yeah. Uh, number six is Matt Rowell. He seems to be playing a tagging role for Stuart Jew, and I understand trading him out. I wouldn't trade him out if you traded him in after his massive score in round one, but if you started with him, there's definitely a chance to trade him this week. He's got an achievable break even, so you could hold him and... I think Jay disagrees with me here because he's just made a face. Um, similar to Butters for me and Crips, um, you don't trade out your guys that are 400k at this point in time. Maybe if you've got a spare 150 in the bank, you could upgrade. But for me personally, I've got Raul and there's bigger issues on field. So unless you're spending a trade boost, which you don't want to do before you're actually properly upgrading your sides, um, it's definitely a hold. I mean, the guy's, what, pumped out two scores of 100 already. He can do that again pretty easily. Um, and I think it's going to come. He, my, he might not be a keeper for the year, but for right now, he's fine in my side. My biggest worry with Matt Rowell is there were multiple times against Carlton where he clearly had a job on a player and he ran past the ball to stop the player affecting whatever the ball was going to be doing rather than hunting the ball himself. And if that's how he's going to have his mindset to when he's tagging, then I think I would prefer a ball-winning tagger than a stopper in, in my team because there's a chance that he could score 120 or 50. I think the biggest concern I have with the tagging role, and I'm also a Rowell owner, we know free off the chain Rowell is easy 120-point guy. No questions asked. 
Same with, you know, even alongside Tuchmiller because he plays a very different style of game. The problem I have is that Gold Coast won last week and he was playing that role. <laughs> so I am very scared that it will continue. And I'm I'm kind of in the park of Damo where it's one of those things. If that's your biggest problem this week, you're doing pretty well. You don't need <laughs> you don't need my advice. However, I I definitely I, I definitely agree with Jay where I'm holding because you know, a four hundred K player, he's got the potential. You'd bring in someone for that potential, you know, if it's just based on literally kind of a whim of if the second it's not working and they go, All right, you go do what you do best, then you know, we're back to one hundred plus. He's got an achievable break even, but yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, I did have that thought when he did start tagging against Melbourne because it took them to a very, very close game. So I, I had in my head, okay, maybe he keeps this role. But at the moment, it's not my biggest issue. So I'm not going to get rid of him. Number seven is Paddy McCartan. He did uh, hit his head and has concussion uh, history, but he was clear the next morning and there's no danger of him missing this week's game. So That's people hitting the panic button. If I, <laughs> Out of everything that we've heard tonight, that's the one where I'm like, oh, no, that's... And kind of valid. You know, I'm so happy that he's playing football, though. So glad yeah. he's cleared. Uh, Dylan Stevens is number eight. Well, if he doesn't come back for Sydney, then he's, a, he's, he's an easy trade. Hasn't made a lot of money, but he's an easy trade. Connor McDonald, he's only had, he's only had a couple of price rises, but he ha- did uh, produce a 23 uh, this week. But no Hawthorne player had a good game against St. Kilda. Let's be completely honest here. Oh, yeah, that was... Tom not. Mitchell got a ton. Finally. <laughs> I love the, the irony of Hawthorne getting absolutely spanked <laughs> is what it took for Tom Mitchell to go, huh, maybe I should play some of that football there. And number 10 is Tristan Sherry. Um, for people trading out Tristan Sherry, I need to tell you, um, the reason he did he scored so badly was because he spent basically the entire third quarter on the bench trying not to bleed from his face. Which you would say is a, arguably a good reason. Is it weird that on that list, the two that I disagree with the most are number one and number 10? I feel like the rest of in between we kind of covered where you you can go either way, but just make sure that you back in your own strategy for doing it. Yeah, the one I the one I disagree with the most is Zach Butters, to be honest. But I mean, how do we know that this person trading out or these people trading out Tristan Cherry aren't upgrading him because he's three hundred fifteen k. His mm. break even is sixty two. I mean, it's an achievable break-even, but how do we know that 315k hasn't got this person up to an Isaac Heaney? Yeah. No, that's definitely true. Um, I wouldn't trade out Cherry. I think it's a mistake. He looks like the number one Rocket North, being a North supporter. Um, he's not going to get pushed out of the role. And previous to, to this, this was his lowest score. So it's not like he's done this for two or three weeks kind of thing. Um, any player can get a head knock and be out on, on zero price or, or zero score. Um, and that he was just unfortunate that had to him last week. So, yeah, I think it's a bit silly to hold him. What one score of a 90 or 100, you know, especially him versing Tim English this week and double-teaming Tim English, I think it's achievable. He's just going to reset his scoring again. And some people I've spoken to are just going to keep him for the year because, number one, rucks, 
you know, my next question uh, for you as a North man, uh, do you see longevity and Cherry as a, an option? Is he going to sit there at F four to six? I, I, I think there's definite possibility there. It just, just depends on how his com- scoring compares to someone like a Duncan or a Taranto later on in the season, where you'd rather have a guy scoring 120s instead of potentially a 90. But looking at North's team, um, he's out of contract this year. North's trying to find who the next Ruckman is for their for their future because Goldie's probably got one or two years left maximum. Um, and Cherry's going to play every week. So it's not like the role in scoring isn't there for him. I, I think it's silly to, to think otherwise at the moment. On to the next segment, which is going through the tips and pew, pew, pew. going through the captaincy options. We love this. Starting with Thursday night, Brisbane host Collingwood at the Gabba in the Good Friday Eve clash. I think this is going to get pretty ugly for one team. Um, I'm given Brisbane by 33 points. And I think you got to slap that vice captaincy on Lockie Neal if you have him. I hope Mitch Robinson decapitates Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, you can cut. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Fuck. Um, Um, (laughs) Also in this game is Brody Grundy as well. Uh, They'll be Brody Grundy will be up against Oscar McInerney. It could be another big score there for Grundy. Um, and then you, and then the likes of Jack Crisp, if he wants to pump out another one thirty two, is probably is is another outside the box option. But as a VC, you probably want to just make it easy on yourself and go on and go for a Grundy or a Neil. I I would like to bring something up actually, since we haven't touched on it. We need to give you a new nickname, Demo, because go last on. week you did tell me that Nick Dacos was. A VC option. I, I doubted you, but you came through with many predictions from last week. So I am now W Nostradamo. I I also said that Carlton wasn't a foregone conclusion against the Suns. You did. You did. Uh, and say I that. I had no. <laughs> what I think I said something else as well. Yeah, you tipped Port betrayal, betrayal. <laughs> I think we'll have to do a replay on that because I. Um... <laughs> How does Grundy go against two rucks? Has he been having trouble with getting bullied? Because they don't really have someone else. I don't think Darcy Cameron's doing much these days. How does he kind of go against two rucks? He doesn't do too badly, but Mason Cox has been named in the side. Okay. Uh, Good Friday games. Uh, North Melbourne take on Western Bulldogs. Western Bulldogs should win that one, you would think. Sorry, Jay. I, I hope not. I hope I hope Sydney's games kind of lit the fire. Um, the biggest problem with the Bulldogs this year, if you've been watching the games, is their forward line doesn't kick a lot of goals. Um, Bruce being out puts a lot of pressure on Norton, that kind of thing. And their defense lets a lot of goals go through. Um, so I think North's kind of got them covered on both of those areas. It's just going to be the delivery going in from the midfield to either either side of the ground. Yeah, I think, um, look, Western Bulldogs, they've had a rough run of it. I also low-key would love to see North just get a sneaky one against them just because that's kind of funny for me 
uh, and it follows the tradition of a team getting broken by a grand final. Vice captaincy Vice options out of this is Jack McRae, Josh Dunkley, Aaron Hall. Oh, Maybe. Yeah. Um, I'd actually be worried about putting vice captains against North um, with Greenwood and a couple of other players doing some pretty significant tagging roles. Um, similar to Lockie Neal, that basically kept him to no score until 10 minutes of junk time in, in the end of the Brisbane game. So one one of the big mids will get tagged. It just depends on which one it is. I think it might be McRae because Bontempelli is going to move forward a little bit. So I'd be a little bit wary about keeping keeping him as VC this week. You know, that is something that I did have in my mind that I, I feel like it, Jack, Jack McRae is always an obvious VC or C option. However, I, for some reason, have it in my brain that uh, Jack McRae, I feel like he maybe feels like either gets, whether it's a tag or whether it's just, you know, running against an opposition that maybe feels less challenging. Um, sometimes doesn't score as well as you'd mm. probably expect him to. Like you wouldn't, you might not expect a two hundred. So I think it's definitely a concern. Um, but still, I mean, it's a VC. So roll the dice if you're looping. The next game is a Good Friday night game. West Coast host the Sydney Swans. West Coast will be without Nick Natanui, but are likely to to have their entire midfield available. So it's a matter of whether Bailey Williams and Hugh Dixon can do the Nick Natanui thing and give Sydney a bit of a test. I'm going to play my own Nostradamo and call an ambush in the West. Uh, Sydney are going to win this one. <laughs> I've tipped Sydney as well. Yeah, they're my pick as well. I think they're just going to slaughter them. Ambush in the West. Get them. <laughs> Moving on to the Saturday game, St. Kilda host Gold Coast. St. Kilda will be without Brett Ratton, so it will be Brendan Laid as an interim coach. And we all know what's happened when there's been an interim coach. That team has won, so St. Kilda should win this one. Yeah, and they're probably riding high after that demolishing last week, um, or as I described it earlier, a spanking. Um, Jack Steele, obvious captain option. Took Miller, always captain option. I'm, I'm tipping Gold Coast this game. Ooh. I think they're going to come out. I think Steele's probably going to get tagged. He doesn't do well with the tag. Maybe yeah, Brown, Brown, maybe it's someone else. <laughs> um, but I, I'm picking Gold Coast. I think they. I think they're going to go for it this week. Well, big, Jay's called his own ambush uh, in <laughs> in Marvel Stadium. I. It's at Marvel though. Gold Coast. Do they they don't travel particularly well, do they? I'm, I'm not sure. Um, all I know is they beat Carlton, and I think they've actually got a point to prove. Um, even with Ben King. Is it Ben or Max? Max? I would have loved to see the brothers playing this this game against each other. But, um, yeah, I think they've got a point to prove, and they're, they're going to go for it. So they're, they're my sneaky tip. I think if, uh, if last week exemplified anything as well, it's not that hard to convince me to tip Gold Coast because they're kind of my feel-good team. Mm. Next game is Adelaide and Richmond. One thing about Adelaide that I've noticed this season especially is with Darren Burgess now there, they are incredibly fit and can run out games incredibly well. Um, The man does work good stuff. Mm. It's at Adelaide Oval, and I think I'm actually going to tip Adelaide as my roughie. I have also tipped Adelaide because it is at Adelaide Oval, 
And even though Richmond did play a particularly good game last week, I feel like Adelaide have a lot of really exciting young talent that I think is just ready to blossom. Um, I'm also low-key loving Ben Keys. Um, I think as probably like a sneaky little captain, vice captain option, because he's been putting like really quietly putting together just a really good super coach season and just a good season in general. And Rory Laird has been quite impressive since returning from his hand injury as well. So he's another option and could go quite large with Richmond, not really putting, uh, putting hard tags or, or hard stoppers, hard stopping there, stopping opposition midfielders all that well. Yeah, Richmond's uh, sorry, Adelaide's my pick for this game. I think they're just going to run Richmond out of legs, and when the Richmond fans start going, they definitely start going. So that that backing there is really going to push the young players to do really well. And the men's team has to do well now that the uh, the women have just won a, another beautifully won championship again. Sad day for for the Demonettes. Um, Daisy Pierce, you'll get you'll get your premiership next year, but yeah, they're. They're loving loving it over there. So, I mean, step up. Step up, Adelaide men's. Um, then, Clarky, your boys, Melbourne, take on the Giants. Melbourne should win this, but God, the Giants can pull one out of a hat. Stop it. No. <laughs> no, I'm going to this game with uh, a GWS supporter, uh, my brother-in-law, and I don't know if I can emotionally handle the loss of... Uh, both Christian Petrarca and Clayton Oliver when they're put in the pockets of Lockie Ash and mm. Matt DeBoer, respectively, and then taken back to New South Wales. Um, I don't know what we're going to do, uh, but it should be an interesting game. I think um, Max Gorn probably against either, it'll be the Flynn or Breeks. Um, who, who knows with Leon, it could be maybe Phil Davis will come back and you'll throw him in there or something. Um It'll it'll be an interesting game. I've obviously tipped Melbourne. Max Gorn is probably my pick. He's my pick, my captain pick for the week. I think. Yeah, I think um, G- Melbourne's going to win, but I think Oliver and Petrarca are going to have low games, so I wouldn't pick them. As you say, maybe a Gorn would be a fantastic pick, considering he's just coming off a one sixty, and he's probably going to have to try and carry this game a little bit more than he does because the other midfields are getting tagged. So I think he's going to go big. Yeah, I know. I know that we've kind of moved past the talking about super coach performances, but I think last week from Gorn, even in a poor game, it's kind of what I've been saying about Gorn for a while now. Where when his skill use and his ball use is really good, and he's got that confidence, like he's making the marks, he's doing the ruck, he's you know getting intercepts, he's kicking goals, um, or out on the full as whichever the situation may require. Um, he's still easily like a top tier scoring machine. Definitely true. Moving on to Sunday, Carlton take on Port Adelaide. Is this the game that Port Adelaide finally get their first win of the season? Or are Carlton going to return to how they were in the first three games? Oh and five. Oh and five. Oh and five. I think oh and five's coming. I think Carlton's going to win. They're going to win pretty easily. Port don't have tall defenders. Carlton have two good key forwards. They're going to kick probably three or four each pretty easily this week, even with Alir potentially coming back. I don't think he can stop both at the same time. So Carlton as well need to um, 
need to probably win back some of their, you know, pride after last week. Mm. After last week, I, uh, yeah, Carlton, I've tipped Carlton. I would love Port Adelaide to get off the mark, but um, Clarky, me and you were talking earlier and Port Adelaide probably have one of the least balanced lists in the competition. Yeah, it's um, their their star power is limited, and then I couldn't name a single player who isn't Alir Alir outside of the main midfield people, uh, because I do love Alir Alir, uh, wonderful young defender. Um, it's basically Ollie Wines, Travis Bogue, now Zach Butters, and then I couldn't tell you a single thing about the port. You know, sorry to any Port fans that might be listening, but it's almost unremarkable when compared to a lot of other teams. Yeah, crazy to crazy to think they what made it to the semi-final last year. So um, the, ta- the talent's pretty even across the board, but I agree with you. Like, there's not a lot of superstars there who seem to put the, um, the game on their back, especially in the forward line. They're really yeah. missing, like, a, is it Dixon who's Dixon, out? They're really yeah. missing, missing Dixon out, yeah. Next game on Sunday is Essendon versus Fremantle. Um, Fremantle have been talked up in the media, so I'm expecting Essendon to win quite comfortably. I am torn. I've tipped Fremantle because I can't not tip Fremantle, but um, because they've been talked up in the, in the media, I'm expecting Essendon to come out and completely... Mess. Is is Sean Darcy playing this week? He is. Okay. So if you kind of analyze the teams, Essendon have an okay ruck. You guys have Darcy. Um, Essendon don't really have a forward line. You guys have good defenders. Yeah, I'll, I'll tip Freo to win. It might be a close game, but I'll tip Freo to win this one. Essendon doesn't need a forward line when you have two meter Peter. Um, I'm. Really That's actually of- my biggest worry. He's on. Honestly, I think he is very. No, I don't want to say underrated, but I think he's just kind of. He's definitely taken that forward line and kind of chucked it on mm. his massive shoulders. Um, just because I think, yeah, he's just such a dangerous target, and he's really hard to defend with just the pure size that he is. Um, I think you know. When in terms of you know tipping who's going to win, I'm really torn on this one. I've switched between Essendon and Fremantle probably a couple of times. I kind of think Frio are on a bit of form, so I think they might come over here and do all right, um, or possibly the cold air might freeze them, and Essendon are just going to run over the top of them. You look at the betting, and it's gone like Essendon a dollar eighty eight to Fremantle two dollars, and there's been like, and there's been like free, and there's been there's been like Fremantle a dollar ninety, Essendon a dollar ninety five, and then it's been like. Essendon a dollar ninety, Dockers a dollar ninety five. So the bet, the people the, don't know what to make of this game. The punters don't know. Mm. I um, think it's going to be a game decided within a couple of kicks. Yeah. But it's also going to be the resurrection of Andy Brayshaw. Come on, yeah, baby! Pro- I need pro- I need a non-tag game. I I I don't see it happening. Um, Andrew McGrath's been tagging, and has he going, though? They're going straight to him. He's, I mean, quote-unquote tagging. Well, he's been doing something that, that makes other midfielders from opposition teams score poorly. So even if it's a run-with role, um, Brayshaw's proven that he's he can't handle the pressure. 
So if he's I mean, got a joking attempt, he has scored ninety mid mid nineties the last two weeks with a tag, so he doesn't completely shut down. Who who did they play two weeks ago at, at in Frio? I'm in Perth, uh, West Coast. Do you mean yeah? Uh, yeah. West Coast. I the think Nelson tagged him for yep. half the game. Yep, and then he did have a seventy point quarter. Yeah, but that half of it, that first half of the game, he finished half time on twenty six. So yeah, he also not, only had about time. six disposals, I think, in the first yeah. half. It's not a great sign. He doesn't completely he, he doesn't completely shut down though, mm. and that's and that's the best thing. When sometimes if a player can't handle a tag, they completely shut down in a and then are completely worthless. Um, Andy will try and fight through it. Will try and fight through a tag, and he'll put himself in positions to try and get the ball, even if it means he doesn't get a clearance. Mm. He puts himself in positions to get a handball receive something, something like that, which then frees him up a bit more to get the ball rolling. So, a ninety six and then a ninety five while being tagged is not so is, is is not too bad. Yeah, I definitely have to agree. He he has those times when he gets like eight or nine points just in a quick spurt and then we'll go missing again and then do that again. So I agree with you that he, he does work through a tag in that sense. Uh, last game of the round is Easter Monday game. Hawthorne take on Geelong. This game could be another ugly one. I have tipped Geelong by like 40 points, mm. <laughs> something like that. Um, look, I think Hawthorne have shown a lot of improvement. Don't get me wrong. Um, but Geelong just, you know, love them, I hate them. They've just got that uh, polish about the way they play football. And that's going to, you know, that's just going to overrun probably an unprepared Hawthorne. Um, I think think, um, Chris Scott's going to come in and he's had a look at the last game and Hawthorne got shut down and he's going to do the same to them this week. I'm definitely tipping Geelong for a big score as well. And Patrick Dangerfield is a good captaincy option out of this one. If you, but I don't recommend leaving your captaincy until the last game of the round. And both these teams, while there are good supercoach options in them, there is nothing that stands out from a captaincy point of view. Yeah, and even Dangerfield, I would probably say, has to be a last resort because yeah. he's, he's been putting up some poor scores, but he's always got that, pardon the pun, danger about him. Um, where he's just going to have one week where he scores like 180 and then go back to 80s. And Patrick Dangerfield does love the big stage. So the Easter Monday game previously has been um, a, a stage for him to have a big score. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of scores come out of this game because there's not a lot of super coach relevancy apart from Patrick Dangerfield, really. And then you've got the likes of Josh Ward and Connie McDonald, which hopefully stay in this team and hopefully have good games but Sicily Tom Stewart and probably those who started Hawkins um those those wild wild few people who I absolutely adore all right and then we're done so um (laughs) been a good one this way I love having guests it's 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 been a longer one than usual too so yeah and we even got the guest to bring his own question which is literally the equivalent of I'm throwing a party please bring a bowl of chips (laughs) Yes. I, I posted all over um, <laughs> like the Facebook groups and stuff I'm, I'm in, so I thought some of them maybe maybe would have sent something in, but I, I know Magic Gnome, so I got, <laughs> yeah. I got him to send something in, yeah. We love Excellent. that. Excellent. Uh, 
you can find Big J on his YouTube channel, The Center Bounce. Thank you for joining us. Hey, no worries, guys. Thanks for having me on. And Clarky, again, thank you. Oh, I love you. I love you, big boy. It's, it's good every week. All right, community. We'll see you next week. Love you guys. Bye.